The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Oh, well, Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is a network where we can get it done. I'm a chill and let them have it because this is just an intro. Keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go, boy. Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome, this is Keeping It Strong Style with your host, Jeremy Donovan, and the young boy, Joshua Smith. And thank you for listening. Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy, Josh Smith. You know it's the young boy, except I don't do any 10-minute draws. <laughs> Only Broadway's, baby. <laughs> on today's show, we'll be reviewing Destruction and Kobe. Does that feel good? That feel good for you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of different, but... Felt good for me. <laughs> it felt right. I still want to say, G-G-G-G-Unit! <laughs> Uh, today's show will be reviewing Destruction and Kobe, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure 
check out our friends at purezuroad.com. A lot of great Puro content up there. Our podcast is also featured on that site. So check them out. Give them a follow on Twitter. All right, young boy. Destruction and Kobe. Yeah, man. So Destruction Kobe, man. So like, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. Like, it's Monday night. We're here. We're in the Strong Style Studios, and I'm like, what do we? What do we say? <laughs> well, I'll say this: Destruction and Kobe for me was way better than Hiroshima and Bebu. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, my whole thing with it is, you know, this was just a great card, top to bottom. You know, yeah, the 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 entire show. Um, with that being said, though. Uh, and I've heard other people say this, and I, I kind of agree. Like, these Destruction shows were basically, like, one really great card just spread out over three shows. Right. Can you imagine if you had Tanahashi Okada, Omega, Ibushi on the same card? I mean, I get it. I understand yeah. why they do this. It's for business reasons. They, oh, yeah, definitely. They, they got to sell out three big shows. But right. as uh, a wa- someone who watches, you know, every single show, I'm like, man, I mean... They could have probably took some of this stuff that they were like, because I'm, I'm sure people are, that are listening are like, well, they were building up matches and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, you could have done that on Road 2 shows. We could have got those Chaos six-man tags and built up that whole match. LIJ, Suzuki Goon, six-man tags. Yeah, and what kind of, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense in my book to, after, you know, they blow off the feud, the next night for them to be in a, another multi-man match, talking about Suzuki and... Uh, and Naito. And Naito. So it, it just, it causes problems. I understand why they do it, but as a fan, it's like you're giving me crap. When you could just be giving me a really, really good card, you're giving me three, me- you know, one mediocre card, one really bad card, and then one pretty good card. Right. And it's like... When I, you could have had an, an excellent card mm-hmm. with the best of all three of those cards. And you, and you know what? When you're watching a Road 2 show, you know you kind of know how to calibrate your expectations. You're like, okay, I'm a, kind of expecting this. It's a Road 2 show. But then when you're like, all right, it's destruction time. Like, this is, this is going to be a good show. And then you get that Beppu night, and it's like... Uh, what, what, which was the second night? Beppu or... Yeah, Beppu was the second night. It's yeah. like... God. Hiroshima was the first night, yeah. Yeah, it's like, what, what's happening right now? Why are we even doing this? Waste of everyone's time right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this Destruction and Kobe card was really, really, really good, top to bottom. Um, really, really solid card, honestly. All right, so let's uh, jump into it then. Uh, show opened up with Yota Suji versus Yuya Uemura. This was the 15th singles match these guys have had this year. Yeah. 14 matches all ending in 10-minute draws. Yeah, I kind of have to retract a little bit. I believe on the last episode I I'm, I had said that they'd gone to 15-minute draws before and they've never done a 15-minute match, so uh, my bad. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, yeah, they wrestled to another draw here. And, um, you know, I was actually thinking that you know, on a bigger card like this, we might finally get, like... Yeah, last week you said you felt like one of them was finally going to get the W. I, I mean, I just imagine, like, I'm like, I don't know, 15, 15 draws in a, in a row. Like, when is this going to end? Or, or is it just going to be some uh, some Tommy Dra- Dreamer Raven crap? Like, where <laughs> the guy never gets to... Like, neither of these guys... Are, except they're both Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> ne- neither one of them is Raven. Like, yeah. they, they'll, they'll both never beat each other. Right. Um, so with that... I do feel stupid, though, because literally everybody who talked about this match, the, uh, the commentators, they were like, anyone who knows anything knows this is going to a draw. And I was like, not me. <laughs> I, I really thought someone was going to get the win here. But the fact that they've been doing so much draws, it actually helps the near falls and near submissions in the match. Yeah. Especially when it's getting down to like uh, two minutes, one minute, 30 seconds, and they're doing near falls. They're going for the Boston Crab. You're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Is it actually going to happen? Is it actually going to happen? And then that time goes out, and you're like, dang. It's very interesting, don't you think, that we had two two draws in a row between uh, Yagi and Narita prior to these guys making their debut, and then Yagi got injured. I kind of feel like maybe that's the direction that they were going to go with those two young lions. Right. And then they're like, oh, well, Yagi's out. Uh, here, Narita, you start doing these multi-man matches, <laughs> and uh, Suji and Yamura, you guys can uh, kind of take up their mantle. 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, but this match was great. Um, I would even venture to say that I think this might have been the best match I've seen of them so far. Yeah, I mean, the wrestling was so crisp. Both these guys look great. A lot of uh, aggression. Uh, I mean, I keep I continue to be impressed with Suji as of late. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he has a lot of fire now. He's bigger. I mean, he's just way better than when he first started. Yeah, I mean, uh, I we were a little down on you more on the last you know show but um i thought i thought he had a really great accounting of himself as well i think like maybe the pressure might be on him to like where he's not trying to get outshined by you know suji every single time they come out there you know right uh, but with that being said i didn't think that the i thought the wrestling in the beginning the wrestling was very very good but i didn't think it was as good as the previous match that we'd seen of them um yeah at uh beppu was that they had a singles match in Beppu? I believe so, yeah. Or was that a, was that a tag team match? I cannot remember. One, I believe one of the knights was a tag. Either Hiroshima was a tag or Beppu was a tag. But there, there was a singles match on one of those other destruction. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought that the uh, the chain wrestling and the opening sequences in that match were better. But as a whole, it seems like these guys are really getting into the groove of understanding how to construct a match. And I mean, they kind of always have since day one. So, I mean, take nothing against them, but, you know, away from them, but you just, you see them improving every single time they go out there, man. Right. And it, it just makes me think, like, why aren't other companies modeling this young lion system? I mean, you got these guys here. I mean, they're perfecting just the basic things, chops, suplexes, Boston crab, grappling, and they get good at basic wrestling, and then they add the bells and whistles later, which even ups their game. What are you talking about? WWE has the Performance Center. (laughs) They produce some of the greatest superstars of our time, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Like, are you kidding me? They turn out nothing but superstars. Right. They build, the Shield. How could I forget? Yeah, I'm so dumb. They they build those guys from the ground up. You know, they really taught, you know, Seth Rollins how to work. They, you know what? They probably did. They had to teach him how to work, brother. <laughs> they had to, they got to teach him how to work. You know, you know, Matt Riddle, you know, he had his first live event this past weekend. Ricochet. Yeah. Uh, Pete Dunne. Keith Lee. Keith Lee, my God. These guys, they just. They had no idea what they Adam were doing. Adam Cole, Red Dragon. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Those guys were lost until they came to the performance center. They now know I how, did, how. I did not know that this segment was going to turn into a bury the WWE performance. They know, they know how to work the hard cam now. <laughs> they, know, they know how to work a live crowd. They know how to work a shine and a heat. They know how to work a hold. And a comeback. Yeah. Oh my God, the five moves of doom. Like, <laughs> yeah, but kidding me. No, but uh, going back to your point, it, it is funny because... Um, you know, just kind of be, we're being facetious there, obviously, but, uh, you know, you do talk about like the performance center and sure there's been some homegrown talent guys that have come out of it, but in actuality at this point, it's hardly an actual talent development center. Right. If, if we're just being honest, and I mean, you know, we, there's probably some WWE truthers out there that we can have an argument with, and they'll throw out their names, you know, they'll throw out, I don't know, like a Bray Wyatt or something like that. Uh, you know, as guys have been developed, but for the, by and large, we go to the NXT Largo Loop shows, we see the guys that are not on TV, and then we see them get cut. We see them never, you know, make it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's see, um, you, you, can't, you can't argue that the majority of the guys that are stars in NXT or coming out of NXT have had some kind of independent background before. Or international. International background, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, I would say more than 90% of the guys that have been made in the Performance Center were already big stars somewhere else. Right. I mean, the, the amount of talent that came out of there, like, homegrown, I mean... Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, right. Roman Reigns, but how how many guys for real are we talking? And even you know, people might want to claim Velveteen Dream, but he had some indie work before coming to NXT. You you can make the you can make that argument if yeah. you wanted to, but I mean, there's no denying that you know you look at Ciampa, you look at Gargano, you look at Almas, you look at all these guys, Chris Hero. Yeah, and so there is there is something where like that whole vision was supposed to be a developmental center. Look, you know who one of their most like improved guys is and one of the guys that has like made something of himself that was homegrown juice yeah <laughs> and he came through this young lion system right um i i i'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you jeremy i think that you know rest especially the bigger wrestling companies um 
Now, you go and you look at, say, Ring of Honor, and right. they have a dojo system, and they've produced a lot of guys out of out of their dojo system, homegrown. You know, you look at um, Ring of Honor is one of them. You look at Chikara. You look at a lot of these different uh, independent scene places, and they, they do. do. Yeah, they do have their own little training school, dojo kind of things. But I, I love the the young lion system because these guys basically just get taught how to work the most fundamental and basic concepts of pro wrestling so that they can construct you know the the i like the configuration or the sticks and foundation of like a pro wrestling match um you know what i mean like these are guys that don't have to do like smoke and mirror matches, right? I mean, these these guys are not brawling on the outside. No dives, no flips, no high spots, no gimmicks. Body slams, chops, suplexes, chain wrestling, chain wrestling, a Boston crab. Like if you can get excitement, people excited over your match by having a Boston crab for the finish. Imagine what's going to happen in a year or two when they they're allowed to do a real finish. But then, and they're they're allowed to add on stuff. But then they turn around and not only do they have these guys wrestling each other, but they put them on the under card they put them in losing situations but they put them in there with talent that is vastly beyond them so that they get that ring work they get that that exposure they get that ring awareness and then they send them away and it's it's just perfect because you know um i think like the ideology in other places is like you know keep them off camera build them up and then when they're ready bring them out as a whole new superstar right and it's like you know, I, I think that the way that New Japan does it is just... I'm not saying it's the best way, but, I mean, it it definitely works because the fans get invested in these guys. They see them grow. They see them develop. Like, just, like, earlier this this uh, past month when Suji didn't, like, tap out to Narita, that was, like, a huge development in his character. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you know, a month or two ago, that guy would have been tapping out. And so, I mean, you see those things, and then, you know, when Suji busts out some sort of, like, powerbomb or something, it's going to be Oh, oh awesome. yeah, it's going to be sick. Um, so, yeah, I, I I do agree. I think that, um, you know, the whole point of this isn't to, like, bash WWE, but it's just funny because that's the company with, like, the largest development center, and I see guys, we go to the Largo Loops, we talk to these guys at the door, we, we meet them, we learn their names, we watch them on the on the Largo Loop, and then they never make TV and they're gone. And you're like, what happened? And it's like they're not really actually investing in those guys. Right. You know, they're paying to bring in guys that have already been built and been grown. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that either. You know, I, I don't want them to, like, lose their Garganos or their Chris Heroes or whatever, but I'm saying, like, y- if you're going to build a guy, maybe take a, a, a page from what New Japan does. You know what I mean? Right. There's a way to do it to where you get invested in these guys. And even if it is just on NXT, I don't know. Right. So uh, speaking of Young Lions, there was more Young Lion action for this. In the second match, we had the Young Lion team of Shota Umino and Ren Narita taking on Rapungi 3K. Also two guys that came through this Young Lion system. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this was kind of interesting because you got, like, you know, four young guys in there. And, like, Rapungi 3K, obviously, in the past year, we're, we're about a year from the time that they debuted. And, I mean, they've really established themselves as, like, the pinnacle of junior tag team wrestling and also kind of carved a little niche out for themselves in the junior division, you know, in the, the best of super juniors this year. Um, and Umino and Reed are not that far away from that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean... I can expect these guys to be going on excursion any time now. Uh, I mean, they're like the two top young lines that are, you know, healthy and active right now. And this was another, you know, good showing from both of these guys. Again, you know, these young lines, they come in this match with a lot of fire and a lot of aggression. Um, and I mean, there were some good near falls. I mean, for a slight second, just for a second, I thought we could have we seen an upset here with uh, Narita and uh, Umino beating Rapungi 3K. Um, I mean, that would be a huge deal if they decided to do that. I, I don't see that happening. But um, when did when was that? Was that when Narita was getting the near falls or when they did the double Boston Crab? Uh, no, not, not the double Boston. I think it was when uh, Narita, Narita cradled Yo towards the end of the match and he did like a backslide to, yeah. Yeah, the back-to-back like cradle. and Yeah, they're giving Narita like these, uh, you know, obviously he's the one taking the falls in most of their matches. So he's getting that, that, hope spot at the end that they do with the young lions and he's he looks great in it uh you know they give 
usually he'll get like three near falls and all of them will be very, very convincing. And um, it builds a lot of like anticipation and, you know, heat for the match. It's really good stuff. And yeah. He's doing well there. Um, you know, Dave Meltzer was talking and they mentioned this on commentary that he thinks Umino's the top of the class for like this crop of uh, young lions. Um and I listened to him on Observer earlier today, and he was talking about how he thinks like he has the it factor. I mean, what do you think as far as that all goes? I mean, I think Umino's very good, and he's clearly he's pushed as the top young lion. Um, and who knows? I mean, with his size, I mean, he could be a, a heavyweight star in the future. But I mean, I think uh, I mean Narita. I think is right there with him. I think Narita is very um, underrated, and he's a guy I feel like. Uh, could be a top star. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say, essentially, out of all the guys. You never know how a young line's going to progress or what career opportunities he's going to be afforded in the future or anything like that. So, I mean, um, I mean, the one guy I think everybody, you know, had their eyes on was, like, Kitamura because, obviously, I mean, how striking the guy is and all that. But, yeah. um, you know, with, with the other guys that are out, Oka and, you know... Kawato. Kawato and Yagi and then, you know, these guys. It, it is hard to say, like, who you think is going to shine once they, you know, once they come back off their excursions. That being said, though, I don't know, man. Every time I see Narita, I just think he's better than Amino. I don't know why. <laughs> and, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be a bigger star or, like, have a better career. Right. But when I just see them work, I'm like, Narita's... To me, Narita's just better than Umino. And I'm like, am I missing what everybody else is seeing with Umino? Obviously, I think he's, like, got a great, you know, hot tag. And, I mean, he's got, you know, he's really fiery and all that. But, like, when I watch him work, I'm like, he's not as good as Narita. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's at, like, a, I don't think there's a huge gap between them. No, I don't think so either. It's right. not like it's not like he's he's washed and Rita, you know, and <laughs> right. is raw. Like, but I feel like you know, commentary or Meltzer's and the booking wants you to think that Umino's like kind of like light years ahead, and I don't think he is. He's very don't get me wrong, he's very good, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's light years ahead. I mean, he's he's only twenty years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I just I was like, man, there's the, the whole machine's behind, you know, Umino, right. and I'm like, I mean, after those uh, Narita and Yagi wars that we saw, yes, it's like I haven't seen like a, a Umino war yet. Like we saw what Narita can do. Uh, the best Umino match I saw was when he wrestled. Um, oh my God, what's what's wrong with me? Yoshida? No, the dude from uh, Big Japan. What, uh, oh, um, what's wrong with me? Why do I forget people's names? Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh my now. god, I, I'm gonna have to look it up. I do this at least once every <laughs> single episode where like there's a name or there's something and I'm like, what was that again? Um, I'll find it. Oh, um, what, Daisuke? Yeah, Daisuke Sakamoto. Yeah. Oh yeah, that match was awesome. Yeah. That match was awesome. But, um, Rapongi 3K ended up picking up the win here. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically, Yo ended up cutting off Narita with the super kick. Uh, then hit him with the Falcon Arrow for the win. One, two, three. And, you know, Rapongi 3K. Look strong. Uh, you know, they mentioned on commentary how they're trying to get back in the title picture to win the junior tag titles. We have the junior tag league. Yep. Super junior up. tag league, yeah. Super junior tag league coming up. So um, I would expect to see you, Mino and Narita, in that tournament together. Yeah, they would make a great team in that tournament. I'm just guessing. I mean, but that seems like that's what they should probably do next. So. Yeah, considering, I mean, there's not many. New Japan junior tag teams current on the roster right now. Right. Um, and speaking of the junior tag league, we got two more teams that I, I would assume are going to be in that tournament. So we had the team of Jushin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask taking on the IWGP junior tag team champions, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kenemaru. And, uh, you know, what did you think of this? You know, I thought this was a good match. I mean, uh, we had uh, Despi and Kanemaru uh doing the jump zone to Tiger and Liger as they're walking down the ramps. Jump zone. <laughs> and they just kind of do a wild brawling and Tiger and uh, Liger far from underneath through the whole match. But eventually they came back. Uh, Tiger Mask got the win. Like we mentioned last week, we were kind of curious why Tiger Mask was getting some of the wins on the early destruction mm. shows. And we realized that once we saw this match, that they were potentially heating them up for a junior tag title match. And I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, After the match, both the guys uh, grab the belts. Um, 
Liger made fun of them for losing to two over-the-hill guys, and Liger says he hasn't had a belt in some time and wouldn't mind winning one. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the one thing that stuck out to me here is just... Man, how great is Liger still? Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> like he's it, so good. It, I mean, we 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 know this, but every once, I mean, Liger, you know, he'll come in and he'll do his multi-man matches and he'll do his regular spots. But he, he to me, he was the guy that really shined here. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. He's about to be fifty-four years old. Yeah, the guy's timeless. Um, and another thing, good thing I liked about this match is like they kept it relatively short. It was only six uh, minutes and fifty seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't like this long plotting Suzuki Gun match that we get sometimes with them just cheating and cheating over and over. It was like, you know, they got in, they you know got the advantage, and then Liger and Tiger fought from underneath, came back with a surprise win, and then got out of there. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tiger Mask got the Tiger Kick and Cradle for the win, so it was kind of an upset and it was kind of a surprise. Um, it did what it needed to do. It didn't overstay its welcome. I mean, this wasn't, like, intended to be a war or, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. an epic classic. I mean, it was what it was. But, I mean, for the six, you know, for the seven minutes that this match was on, I mean, I was entertained the whole time. So yeah, so I, was I. I thought it was good. I thought that the post-match, uh, you know, little speech that was it. I think it was Tiger Mask. Liger. Liger, yeah. Yeah. Basically saying he thought a tie would look good on him. And I was like, yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Put a title on Liger. Yes. On his old self. Like 54 years old. Yeah, I'm down. I mean, it can't be worse than what we got going right now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then uh, that kind of wraps that up. We ended up with a, um, just my favorite match of the night uh, following this. So we got the team of Hiroshi. Hir- uh, what's wrong with me? Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and Manabu Nakanishi, uh, the third generation dads. Um, taking on Togi Makabe, Tomaoki Hanma, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Ayato Yoshida. So, yeah, I mean, I thought this was another good match. Um, I thought, you know, Yoshida, he continues to look great um, in these multi-man matches. He gets a lot of time to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, the commentary is kind of like bringing up some confusion on his status because they mention a lot about him, like, you know, being a young boy or like having to like train and I think there's like Yoshida yeah Um, I think I don't think it's confusion about his status necessarily I mean you know Kevin Kelly did say he didn't say this is a tryout but he said you know he was with them for the destruction tour he got a lot of good you know experiences and practice and he's like and I have a strong feeling which to me is like Kevin Kelly speak for like they're signing this dude yeah um you know, he said he had a strong feeling that we'll be seeing more of this young man in the future. Um, with that being said, I mean, he's not a dojo guy, but he, like we talked about, he's in an interesting position. He is, um, you know, obviously he's not of the same stature. Well, A, right now he's an outsider. B, he's not signed to the company. C, he's young. Right. I would not be surprised if, and also he comes from Kaintai Dojo, right. which is with uh, Taka. Taka. So, I mean, yeah, he might not be a, a young lion, but you can almost bet that he is probably back there doing squats and he is back there <laughs> carrying somebody's bag. I mean, right. the dojo system isn't exclusive to New Japan. I mean, every single pro wrestling company has a system like that. And I'm sure Taka just told him, like, hey, you get in here and, like, He's 25 you, years old. You man. do whatever they tell you to do. And, like, <laughs> I, I'm sure that he is doing all the same responsibilities that the young boys are. Um, I mean, I don't know for a fact. Like, I don't know that he's he's I don't know that he's sleeping in the dojo or anything like that. You know what right. I mean? Um, I assume it's probably somewhat similar to, say, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Hikaleo. Yeah. 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 You know, a young mm-hmm. guy, but he's not necessarily a young lion. But, I mean, he's still a young boy <laughs> when it's all said and done. So, yeah, uh, I think that's the – to me, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, like, like we mentioned, we kind of – like I said um, a couple of weeks ago, I feel like, you know, it's such a, like a trial, like, you know, tryout period for him. I do think he's a little – a step ahead of the young Lions, but, you know, he's not quite higher than that, really. So – yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he'll be on any more tours coming up. Are you really impressed with Yoshida? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of different commentators and, uh, you know, fans of the sport. And, I mean, people seem to be really high on him. And I'm like, 
do I'm not down. I'm not saying I'm down on him, but I'm not sure that I see everything that everyone else sees. Maybe I don't have. An I mean, I, I think he's really good, and I think in these multi-man matches, he's probably you know the guy that's getting the most shine mm. um, and having the most um, action in these matches. Uh, do I think he's good? Like he's as good as some of the young lions? I don't know. Here, here's my one thing. Um, Everyone is saying, you know, he's got matinee idol looks and he's tall and those are things that matter a lot, you know, to New Japan. And so they probably see money with him and I don't disagree with that at all. But I've heard people say that that he reminds them of a young Okada. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing that recently, too. I'm just saying, like, okay, I wasn't necessarily actively watching the product when Okada was a young lion, but I've seen some of his young lion matches and he was phenomenal. As a young lion, he was freaking phenomenal, and you could see it the moment that he was that he was wrestling. And it's not hindsight twenty twenty. It's like, holy crap! Why is this guy? Why is this guy a young lion? Right. I don't see that with Yoshida. I'm not down on him. I'm not saying he's not good or that he doesn't have promise or potential. But like, I do think it's interesting because I hear a lot of people being like, he's like a young Okada. And I'm like, did you see young Okada? <laughs> young Okada was raw, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And again, I think it's, we need to probably see a little bit more of him, and maybe yes. more singles action, like a, in a competitive singles match. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. for the prospect of him coming into the company. So I'm not down on him, but I, I'm not ready to to christen him the heir apparent or say he's the next ace in five years or anything yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like right, I'm, right. I'm not ready to do that sort of thing with this guy. Yeah. And you know, also in this match we had Hanma, and you know. Man, he's still looking kind of shaky in there, man. He's not... You know what's funny is like, okay, maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like I was one of the first people to really say that this there's something wrong with this guy. Mm-hmm. And now it's... And I'm not saying... I'm, I don't think that this show is, uh, you know, affecting the, cult, <laughs> the culture or anything. So I'm not saying that people are stealing my point or anything like that. That's not what it is. But I feel like the moment I saw him wrestle again, I was like, uh, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, everybody is it's saying the like, same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that I think that there is something wrong. Yeah, he's clear. I mean, you can just watch him how he moves. Like, watch some old Hanma stuff and watch now. Like, he's nowhere near the level of worker as he was back then. And just the way he moves around the ring, dude, I get worried with him doing the Kokeshi and like the missing the Kokeshi spot and you know the running like jumping headbutt kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah. I mean, let's put this into context. If you aren't familiar with this, you know Hanma was he was paralyzed at one point you know temporarily he was paralyzed and there was very very mostly doubts that he would ever be able to walk again much less wrestle so i mean the fact that he is back in there and all that that's fantastic and you know congratulations and i'm happy for him that his health is there but i want him to keep his health and it's not some disingenuous sort of thing i mean um, I was actually listening to, and I'll give a shout out to. I was listening to the Super J Cast earlier this past week. They put out their episode. They and I think it was Joel Abraham's the co-host. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he had mentioned something on that show that. Now I've been saying that there's something wrong, but he mentioned something. I think he was saying that he doesn't use his left arm at all. Mm, I haven't caught on to that. I or maybe it was the right arm. I can't remember which one it was. I, I feel bad that I'm not remembering it correctly, but he. He mentioned he was like, pay attention. This guy doesn't do any moves that require him to utilize one of his arms. And then, um, you know, his co-host, Damon McDonald, McDonald, he said, you know, he's like, you mentioned that to me before the show. And so I was going to decide I was going to pay attention. He's like, and you know what? You're right. He's like, he's not using a whole half of his body. Um, He like he's using basically offense that doesn't require him to and it's it's not simply a matter of you know we all know that wrestlers wrestle from one side and lead from one side it's not that it's like they're steering away from something right i once they said that i was starting to try to pay attention to it and it does seem like that there is something like that going on um i just i don't know man like i feel like the eyeball test is you know, it's not the most accurate thing, but I mean, if you see this guy, every time he's about to hit the ropes, he, he like does like a double, like, like he staggers, he mm-hmm. shakes. He, when he hits the ropes, I, I feel like he's going to crumble. And I mean, yeah. the the move that paralyzed him was a hanging DDT. Right. And this guy's out here doing Kokeshi headbutts and like missing and picking bumps on his head. It's like, what are you doing? And he's talking about how he, he wants to get back in the G1. I'm like, 
dude. I would I would love for that to be the case, and I would love for him to never have been you know paralyzed. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like I mean, if he's been cleared by doctors and he is really good to go, then great. But he doesn't look like right. a guy like. Unless for, he's just for, like a master worker and he's no, just selling, no, which I, I know not. it's not. I know it's not the case, but it's not. It's not. I mean, he, he. I mean, he went from having an incredible physique to having a pretty good physique. So I mean, for for the way he looks, I mean, it's that's great and all that. But I mean, dude, I'm legit scared every time I see Hanma wrestle. I mean, I I know a few weeks ago I kind of joked about how the the New Japan dads need to go away and all that, and sometimes that's just because it's easier to be down on stuff when you're recording a show just to have a hot take like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but it doesn't, it's not always reflective of like the actual case, but like with Hanma, I I don't know that he should be wrestling. Yeah. I mean, you think about a guy like say Daniel Bryan, who was out, and I know it's not the same thing, but you know, a guy like Daniel Bryan who was out and then when he came back and he looked like he, he'd never missed a day. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, he looked like his old self, yeah. Or you look at a Shawn Michaels, a guy who legit broke his back and was out for, what, four years? Something like that, four, six years, something like that. 96 to 2002? 2002, yeah. No, 97. 97 to 2002? Like five years almost? Yeah. Um, and then he came back, and yeah, now Shawn was hesitant too if you watch his early matches, but... There's no denying he. It was like he never missed a day. Right. Like he could still go, and it was more psychological than anything else. And and you know them keeping him safe. With Hanma, it's like, it, it's scary. It actually is scary. And I mean, and he's not even. You know, we can talk about the Kokashi headbutts a lot, but like the reality is, he's not doing anything that's that dangerous in these matches. Yeah. He really isn't doing that much, and it still is very scary. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. You you, do you. Do you as a company, New Japan, and I'm talking to you, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Harold Mai, like, you know, the, the the office, do you want this guy's, like, health on your hands if he's not clear? Hey, if he's clear and you took him to, you know, he went to the doctors and they actually cleared him and he know you know, and it's wrestling and he knows what he's getting into, by all means. But I'm just questioning, was he really, like, cleared, cleared? Because I don't. I'm not a doctor, but looking at him, man. Yeah, man. Doesn't man, just, doesn't look right. It doesn't. It, it's scary. It, it's really scary. And I'm like at the point where I'm very, very apprehensive about like. I do feel like Hama's gonna get hurt. Yeah. I feel like that. It's crazy. <sighs> <But yeah>. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So um, the New Japan dads get the win here. Nagata hits a jumping knee in the backdrop driver on Yoshida. Yeah, yeah, New Japan Dads win. Before we move on, I do want to say this. I know that I was a little questioning about Yoshida, but I do want to congratulate the guy on passing every test so far from what it seems like. I mean, he's shined in every single match and every opportunity that they've given him. So, I mean, I look forward to seeing him some more in the future. And, uh, you know, overall, I thought that this match was, you know, given my apprehensions about Hanma and all that, I still thought that this was a good match. Yeah. Um, And, yeah. Cool. So next up, tag action, a rematch. We had the best friends, Chucky e. T and Beretta, taking on Killer Elite Squad. And it was at this point that Rocky Romero rejoined the commentary team <laughs> and uh, reignited his uh, feud with Mark, whatever his last name is. Uh, Warzeska. Warzeska? Warzeska, something like that. Is that how you pronounce it? Warzeska? Uh, something like that. <laughs> From now on, he is Mark Warzeska. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so yeah, best friends and Killer Elite Squad. Um, I like this match better than the match that they had in Beppu. I did too. I uh, thought both teams looked really good here. I thought they looked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't say really good. I didn't think either team looked really good. I mean, you know, these performances that they're putting in are not like even World Tag League level. Right. And, you know, World Tag League's not like the greatest. But, I mean, uh, I did think that this was a better showing than the um, Beppu match for sure. Yeah, and I just feel like, you know, you got two Gaijin tag teams in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Killer Elite Squad, there are heels, so the crowd's really not into them that much. And then, you know, crowd's still kind of getting into, you know, Beretta just came back and still trying to learn Chucky e. T. Dude, Killer Elite Squad's been gone for five months. Beretta's been on the shelf since, like, February. Chucky e. T is still almost an unknown commodity in New Japan. Yeah. Unless you're a diehard. I mean, yes, he's worked shows, you know, in multi-man matches and stuff. But, I mean, the best friend's gimmick and all that, I mean, 
they they had that whole tour in December, and then a few matches after that. Uh, I don't think that the Japanese crowd really knows about the best friends yet. Right. I mean, I remember in the World Tag League, it took them a while, while to, to get, get over, over and they yeah. finally got over, but then they, you didn't see them again as a team for such a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that the crowd was crapping on this or anything. No. But they weren't invested. And right. It's hard they were, they were a little reserved. You know, they, like I said, both teams been out. There's no backstory going into this match. There's no prior history, really, to you know, of note. So it is something where it's like, you know, um, you know, how how invested can the crowd really be into something like this? You right. Know? But I did really like the finish here. Uh, Kes, they hit the killer bomb on Beretta, so it looks like it's in the same thing as the last match. But the last second, uh, Beretta crucifix. Archer and gets the surprise win. Yeah, I thought that that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty slick. Um, I, I will say I thought that both teams by the end of it they kind of saved the match and kind of got the crowd into it. It just took a while to get going. Um, this match got a little bit more time than than a lot of the other stuff on the card. They went about almost thirteen minutes, and uh, yeah, it, it was good. I just. Um, my question is like, where's this leading? Because now you've got Killer Elite Squad and Best Friends splitting wins. And I didn't think they were gonna go that way. Right. I thought KES was gonna win, um, and then be the next challengers for the winners of Young Bucks and God. Yeah. So I mean, um, do you think that we get a, you know, a tiebreaker? Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a uh, a third match coming up on maybe King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle. Yeah, because the, uh, the commentary team was almost talking about it like, yeah, I mean, it, it, they must be setting, like, it, it, people were talking about how they must be setting up best friends to uh, to take on the Young Bucks, and I'm like, well, they just lost to Killer Elite Squad the, the, you know, the six days prior to that on a big show. So, my, I don't know, and I mean, I, my fear, we're heading back into multi-man match territory. Oh, you're talking about the three-team rivalry? Yep. Yeah. I, I could really see that being the case. I, I think that that's a high likelihood. Um, but also keep in mind, you know, we're heading into October and World Tag League's like two months away. Yeah. So there's also that to keep in mind. Uh, you know, maybe neither of these teams gets a title, you know, challenge before then. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to keep our eyes on that situation. Uh, up next, we had a uh, six-man tag with Chaos team of Switchblade Jay White, Yoshihashi, and Will Ospreay taking on the IWGP US Champion Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Toa Hanare. What do you think about this one? Uh, this was good. Um, very interesting. Uh, they continue to play off the um, the inner workings and the turmoil between Chaos with Jay White, and Yoshihashi, and Will Ospreay. Um, you know, Juice and Dave, fin- Dave Finley and uh, Toa Hanare, you know, continue to just be a fun, you know, trio going into this match. Did Dave Finley have the, the C-Block tournament? Yep. Cup with him, man? Yeah, he did a C-Block trophy. So I guess, uh, yeah, the trophy, I guess that got fixed. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny when uh, Juice and uh, Dave Finley kept doing, like, karate moves during the match. Oh, yeah. And I guess because, like, Hanare has, like, a uh, like a karate background that yeah. they don't ever reference. <laughs> um, so that was pretty funny, but... I, I thought that the the way that they're progressing the story with Jay White and Yoshihashi and Will Ospreay was kind of like the overall story of this match and how they couldn't get on the same page and they couldn't uh, work together as a unit, um, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, kind of take us through it, what happened with that. Yeah, so they did the same spot where, you know, Yoshihashi holds the one guy and Jay White tries to run. Why at does the- he keep doing that? It, it hasn't worked all tour. Yeah. That's why this guy Yoshihashi's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, White accidentally takes him out, but then uh, White's able to hit the Blade Runner on Hanare and get the win. So even though the double team backfired, Jay White was still able to pull out the win for the team. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was interesting. I thought Will Ospreay was the shining star in this match. Oh, yeah, hands down, yeah. Um, you know, when he kind of got in the ring, he just took things to a whole different level at that point you know i mean he's he's they they have some great workers in here but i mean will osprey is just so dynamic man. yeah i mean, he's I mean just, he, he can do things that nobody else can yeah so i mean having him in there kind of really spiced up the match um you know toa hanare we all know that he's you know the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to this match even i mean he's lower on the card than yoshihashi so yeah it was expected that 
it's not surprising, I should say, that he would be the one taking the fall here. Um, but that being said, I, I, man, I do have to wonder, like, Yoshihashi, dude, like, you've been holding dudes and letting dudes run at them, and then you get you get beat up, like, and it's happened two other times on the same <laughs> tour. Maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> In the famous words of Steve Mongo McMichael, fool me once, shame <laughs> on you. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. God. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I thought, like, uh, the stuff with... Jay White at the end was really good where Jay basically was like, we still won. Yeah. We still won. Yeah, like, you know, Jay took full credit for the win. Um, you know, just completely rub it in uh, Yoshihashi and Osprey's face, so. And they they even asked uh, Rocky on commentary, and I thought this was great the way that they kind of built up the story. They're like, you know, what's the status of chaos? Where, where are things? And he was like, oh, that's a complicated question. And he said, you know, generally speaking, these guys all take the same tour bus together. And he was like, but on this tour, they didn't. And he was like, you know, Yoshihashi, Jay White, and Okada kind of did their own thing. And the rest of the crew kind of traveled together. And he was like, so, yeah, I mean, they're not on the same page. But And you could really tell here. Um, and we'll get into it more, but obviously this plays into the main event and, you know, what's going on with the, with the Chaos Faction overall. But uh, I, thought, I thought that this was real subtle. I thought it was a great continuation of what they've been doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was good. Yeah, good stuff. So next up, we had another six-man tag. Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Sonata, Los Ingobernables, De Japón, taking on the Suzuki-Goon team of Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taka Michinoku. Yeah, so, I mean, um, it was just so shocking and unexpected and groundbreaking the way that you know suzuki goon decided to start this match in a way that they've never done before <laughs> and that's by jumping the other team at the start of the bell and I, I didn't see it coming young boy i i didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean this you know it was another you know just good match um obviously they're continuing to push the rivalry between evil and Zack Sabre Jr. I haven't been a fan of the tag team matches they've had on this tour. I'm not saying this was great, but this was fine. Yeah. This was fine. I thought it was good for what it was in a vacuum. Um, If you couple it together with the rest of the the feud on this tour, I mean, not so much. But yeah, um, you're absolutely right. They are, it appears that they're trying to build towards a evil and ZSJ feud. Yeah. And, you know, um, we mentioned last week how Evil was shook after uh, being pinned by Saber in the that multi-man match they had on that night. And so this night, Evil gets the win here on um, Taka, hits the everything as Evil. He didn't pin Saber, though. He pinned Saber's manager. Yeah, it was interesting that he, I mean, if you were betting, man, I mean, you'd probably bet that Taka Michinoku is going to be the guy to take the fall. Um, but at the same time, you would think that, um, I mean, I didn't expect him to be Zach, not on this night mm-hmm. in general. I mean, Zach's a big star. Um, and if they're going to have have him beat him, I mean, you might not necessarily want to do it in a multi-man tag match at this point. Right. But with that being said, I mean, that's kind of, that does play into the story because ZSJ already beat him. Yeah. He holds no, no victories over Zack Sabre. So if they do end up uh, building towards a match, say, at King of Pro Wrestling, He's going in there kind of cold against the guy still. Yeah. Even even though they've kind of built him up and given him a win, he he still he doesn't have Zach's number. Yeah, and we had uh, two questions uh, revolving uh, Naito and Evil. First question comes from um, at Wilfred Watches on Twitter. He's the host of the Wilf, uh, Wilfred Watches podcast. It's actually a New Japan podcast where he goes back what? and watches uh, some New Japan matches. And it uh, looks like we might be working together in the future. Where Yo, Wilfred, <laughs> you got to get me on there so we can watch Maiden. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, talking to him, we're going to probably do some stuff together um, in the future. Also, Kevin Kelly uh, and um, Mike Wojeszka, Yeah, they had mentioned how they've been recording. Um, and we talked about this previously, but how they're they're doing some recordings for some of the uh, the archive content. Yeah. They mentioned that they laid some tracks down, some stuff. Yeah. They were like they're like, yeah, they're like, we, we just uh, recorded Cobra versus Davey Boy Smith from 1983. And I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> Yo, they're going deep into the archive. Like, yeah. yes. 
So uh, Wilfred asks, he says, Naito in 2019, lost in the shuffle or pushed to the moon? To steal a phrase from my friends over at the Super J cast, gun to my head. <laughs> uh, I would have to say probably um, you, you got to imagine that they're going to push Naito. Yeah, I mean, I, I see him in the main event of Russell Kingdom. Um, well, that, that would be, I guess, technically 2020. Yeah. Um, with Okada, because he knows that. But, but if we're going to get to that point in 2020, then he's got to have a fire 2019. True. Um, I I have to believe, I have to believe that they're going to push Naito. Because if they don't, nothing's right in this world. Like, justice does is never going to be served. Like, equality is not a thing. There's no truth in justice. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just it, To me, it would not make business sense if you never, if you don't go with this guy at some point. So, they're not, it's clearly not going to be this year. Yeah. Um, they decided to cool him down this year. I'm expecting, I mean, if it's one or the other, I mean, they could they have him meander around, you know, in 2019? Sure. But if you had to give me a choice between the two, are they going to push the guy? Are they going to bury him? They got to push him. Yeah, they got to push him. Yeah, I would think they would push him too, especially if he's going to be main eventing Wrestle Kingdom in 2020. Um, and then uh, Captain Jellico on Twitter, he says they seem to be setting up Jericho versus Evil. He says, do y'all think this is a step down for Y2 Japan? Um, you know, so when when um. Jericho first won the IC title at Dominion, and then uh, Evil came out and kind of like helped uh, Naito. We all had speculations about what it meant, and I pretty much just assumed that there's no way they're going to go with Jericho and Evil. I just didn't think Evil's on his same level or a guy of his stature. And I, I mean, all year I've been thinking about who are the guys that if I was Jericho and I was going to work the big time, I mean, you, you pretty much have to work Okada. You got to work Tanahashi. But it does seem like they're going with evil. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, yeah, you mentioned like, you would want to work the big four. He already worked Naito. He already worked Omega. And so, you know, Okada and Tanahashi would be the next step. But Okada is clearly wrapped up with this whole Jay White and Chaos stuff. Tanahashi's clearly on his way to the Dome. So it, it doesn't really make sense. I, it wouldn't really fit in with Jericho facing either of those guys right now. Yeah, so I think that he is probably going to work evil. Um, that's what they teased. That's who they've been calling each other out on Twitter. Um, and it seems like they're trying to heat up evil before that time. Now, when I mean, King of Pro Wrestling's in two weeks. Right. I, I would assume that King of Pro Wrestling would probably be evil versus uh, Saber. You get you give evil a big win against Saber. And then, that's a huge freaking win. Yeah. That's huge if he beats Zack Saber Jr. Well, like, I mean, like I don't even think Evil should be beating Zack. Sabre. I mean, he beat Okada in the G one. Yeah, it's the G one. Anybody can be anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm not the biggest Evil fan. I don't hate the guy, but I mean, I love Zack Saber Jr. and I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm beat ZSJ. Like, I want them to heat up ZSJ. Let's do Jericho and ZSJ. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. um. I'm probably, you know, we probably have a lot of fans who are like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that don't love Zack Sabre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it is a step down. Do I think, I mean, what do you think, how do you think that that conversation went? Like, hey, you're, you're going to work evil. I know, I'm sure Jericho's like, show me the money. I'll work whoever. <laughs> <laughs> Pin me, pay me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it could be a thing where... It's a big match for Evil, but you want to give Jericho a defense where he could actually, you know, he could win. So you have him go. Jericho's going to win? He could go over Evil and then he defends at the Dome. Wait, when is he going to, when would he wrestle him before the Dome? Power struggle? No, bro. That's, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, you think, you think Evil Jericho will be at the Dome? Yes. Mm. The only, I mean, this is just my opinion. Power struggle is not a big show. King of Pro Wrestling is the only big show between now and Wrestle Wrestle Kingdom. I was very convinced that we were going to see Jericho wrestle King of Pro Wrestling. Apparently, he's not. So, he's on that SummerSlam and WrestleMania schedule. Like, he's only only working Dominion and and, uh, Wrestle Wrestle Kingdom, Kingdom, which is crazy. Um, 
So no, I don't think we're gonna see Jericho until until January. Hmm. No, scratch that. We will see him. We'll do set up the angle. We'll probably see him in two weeks. At uh, King of Pro Wrestling. We'll probably see him in some jump people. Maybe he might not be there. He might do a recording. I don't. I don't know what he's gonna do. Right. We don't know. But with that being said, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely got, they got to set up that match. But I don't think we see Jericho wrestle in New Japan until next year. Hmm. Yeah, got to be on the lookout for all that for that stuff. But I think I think that that's probably the way they're gonna go. You do Zack Saber and, and Evil. And then you set up Evil and Jericho for the Dome, although that's been awfully far away away. But but then at that point, the question has to be asked, Jericho wins. How long is he going to hold on to this freaking Intercontinental title, dude? Well, like they mentioned on the, the Hiromu stuff, you know, the champion has to defend the belt once every six months. I think they made that rule up for Jericho. Well, I mean, why would they make it up for Jericho when they use it to explain stripping Hiromu? Because they can just explain how they stripped Hiromu, but then double back and be like, oh, well, Jericho, <laughs> Jericho's defended it in six months. And I'm like, you can hold a title hostage for six months? <laughs> what happened to the 90-day rule? Like, oh, my God. What happened to the 60-day rule? Yeah, like... <laughs> or 30-day rule. This is crazy, man. Yeah. I, think, I think Jericho will probably defend it. He'll probably... I would... I was thinking he was going to lose it just because I want to get the title off him and and all that. But at the same time, I mean, he could turn around and defend it in uh, Madison Square Garden and then drop it there. Yeah. So we'll see. So up next, we had the first semifinal match in the IWGP Junior Heavyweight uh, title tournament featuring Kushida against Bushi. What were your thoughts on this one? I thought that this was very, very good. Um, you know, it was it was great to see, uh, you know, a, like us going into the direction of having a junior champion once again. These guys do have a lot of history together. Kushida and Bushi, this is, um, you know, their 15th match with uh, Kushida holding a, a winning record of 7-6-1 and one over Bushi. Um, I thought when Bushi came out, how raw was his gear? Oh, dude, Bushi always has the raw, rawest gear. Yes. Looking so fly in the suits, yes. the mask. I mean. That headdress, bro. That, yeah, headdress was cool. One chain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, bro, like, Bushi's like the flyest wrestler that I don't like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought this match was good. I mean, it wasn't, like, blow away, but I, I thought it was great. I thought it was better than everything else on the show, which being in the semi-main event, that's kind of what you hope for. They got a good, you know, 17-minute time frame to work, which was awesome. Um, I really enjoyed the story. I thought Kushida doing the arm work. I know some people aren't fans of limb work, but I, I thought it was great the way that Kushida... Yeah, I mean, he's working the arm at his finish, the hoverboard lock, so yeah. why wouldn't he work the arm? Yeah, and I thought I thought uh, Bushi had a good showing for himself. This I would venture to say this might even be the best Bushi match I've seen yeah. this year. I, I, it's probably one of the best Bushi, Bushi matches I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, Bushi's not like an overachiever when it comes to in-ring work. Um... But yeah, this this was good. This was very very entertaining. Uh, Kushida and him they meshed well together. They had a lot of great stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I thought it was good, man. I thought it was really yeah, good. you know, uh, the destroyer is always a move I pop for no matter how many times I see it or who who does it. I actually saw a tweet earlier this week where Petey Williams said that the only wrestler he's authorized to use that move is uh, Chelsea Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, Bushi does a destroyer. Um, you know, a lot of great spots here. Uh, we had a ref bump, and uh, Bushi spit the mist in Kushida and cradled him for near fall. Yo, the, yeah, I mean, he got all of it that time. Like, freaking, um, yeah, Kushida's whole face was like, I, I don't want to say what, he had black mist all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he cradled him up for a near fall. I mean, that was a very close near fall. I thought that could have been it. Yeah. I, I liked the post-match where uh, Kushida basically alluded to the idea that the reason he was able to withstand the mist was because of his time training with Tajiri. Yes. <laughs> In Smash. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Which yeah. was pretty funny. And then uh, Kushida blocked the code breaker. 
Um, and he hit two Back to the Futures and got the win. I thought that was cool how he hit the first one and then rolled through with it and then his second one. I've never seen him do that before. Have you seen him do that? No. I think I've seen him do like a suplex and then roll into the Back to the Future, but not two Back to the Futures. I thought that was really cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, this match, it did start off a little slow, but they you know they played off their past matches very well. Uh, the pace was good. The work was clean. And uh, it was very creative. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought that the end of it with Bushi getting that awesome near fall with the mist, you had like I don't know, I I believed he won right there. To be honest with you, yeah, I did not. I I was expecting Kushida to win, but when Bushi hit him with the mist and then got the the roll up, I was like, oh, they're they're putting over Bushi, you know. And I thought that they're gonna do that because the whole Hiromu thing, but not not so not on this day. Yeah. So we actually have a couple questions um, about this match in the junior title. So Reddit user Fret Less Clover, he asks, why did Bushi lose this lose his match? Because he's not as good as Kushida. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc